you are about to step into the Barrel Solomon Podcast Show. No fluff, talking about greatness, talking about wealth, talking about how to become the number one man or woman in your space. Let's roll. For real Jewish businessmen. Shout out to homie Solomon. Nobody was following that. Everybody follow him. For real Jewish businessmen. Welcome, welcome ladies and gentlemen to the Barrel Solomon Show. Today we're going to be discussing... The biggest business mistakes that I have made in my business career, all right? And we're going to go intimate. You could judge me all you want, but I don't care because I'm real and honest and you should be too. We're going to start with my very first business when I was six years old. <laughs> I would notice that there was a problem in, um, when I would go to Florida with my family for winter vacation and at the pool downstairs there was always a problem that there was too many people for too few chairs and people on their vacation had to go downstairs and they had to reserve pool chairs. So I said, hey, instead of you waking up at six o'clock in the morning, I thought as a six-year-old, why don't you pay me a dollar? I'll go downstairs with my floaties, with whatever I had, and I'm gonna reserve the chair for you, pay me a dollar a chair, and I'm going to make sure you have a nice vacation and you could relax. So I got like 20 customers, and my biggest mistake that I did in that business was I was too shy to collect the money. Ladies and gentlemen, if you work, you have nothing to be shy about. You should be proud to ask for your fee. When your waiter comes to you at the end of a meal and he hands you your bill, he's not shy to do it. You ordered something, it cost, it cost something, and you pay it gladly. People out there, number one mistake that I see in business is people A, are too shy to ask for what they feel that they're worth, so they undersell their value. And B is, whatever you now charge, don't be scared to ask for the money. Be proud to ask for the money because you are doing a service to those people and they're winning. So that was my first business when I was six years old. Next business was lemonade stand. Biggest problem, biggest mistake in that business is there's not enough money. I was charging 25 cents to a dollar per lemonade cup. After my lemons, after my labor, after my rent of my stand, no, I'm just joking, we didn't rent the stand, but after, after everything, I'd walk away at the end of the day with like 11 bucks, and I'd sit sweating in the sun all day, and the problem was there was not enough money in that business in order to make it a good business. So number two biggest mistake that I see people making in business is, you're choosing businesses, ladies and gentlemen, that there's not enough money in. I'll give you a perfect example of a horrible business, the restaurant business, horrible business. For all of you restaurant owners that are watching this, I'm sorry, I love you dearly, but you're in the wrong damn business, okay? You have to own, you have to rent, you have to rent a restaurant. You have to pay waiters, you have to pay for the food. If there's one mistake that day, you get one broken air conditioner, you get one client that gets food poisoning, you get one on a flood, fire, your, your whole entire month's profit is gone. It's a very tough business, very small margins, a lot of hours, very, very tough. You have to be there, people steal cash. There's not enough money, there's not enough meat in the bone. F but if you look at a cousin of the restaurant business, the food business, I have friends, they're some of the wealthiest people in the city of Montreal, they, they, they distribute meat. So they'll sell truckloads of meat to different, um, to different grocery stores and they're making, I don't know what their margins are, but I guarantee you on a quarter million dollar truck of meat, those guys are making 20, 30, 40, 50 grand per truckload. That's a good business, low, low, um, uh, high, high margins and, and low cost. 
You cannot make money if there's no money. You can't squeeze water from a rock. Moses did, but you can't. All right. <laughs> Next. So we had the, well, what did we just say? Where was it? That was, okay. Next business that I was in after the lemonade stand was, as I got a little bit older, I got into the fake ID business. When I was 15 years old, I thought I was brilliant. I, 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 got a, I got a laminator, I got a professional camera. We would charge $40 per person, cash, no tax. Take that, Prime Minister Trudeau. Um, and I would make fake IDs. By the way, I wasn't always religious. I wasn't always a mensch, a good guy. I wasn't always God-fearing. There was a time when I was a little bit on the wild side. We're going to get to that when I used to sell weed for a living which by the way is legalized in Quebec and Canada now, so I'm not such a bad guy. But again, now that I have values and I fear God, I would never sell weed or fake IDs. Um, but fake ID business, good in the short term, cash intensive, cash heavy. Imagine I was like a 15 year old pisher. I had 30 or 40 clients times 40 bucks. I was making like 1600 bucks a week at, 50, at 15 years old. You know what the problem is? You ruin your reputation. When you do illegal things, you ruin your reputation very, very quickly. Everyone knew I was the fake ID guy. I, had, I was always paranoid that the police were gonna bust me. I was always paranoid my, my parents are gonna find out. Fast cash, high risk, illegal, cannot scale out, cannot go big, cannot become a long-term thing. So as much energy that I invested in that, I could not last in it. So illegal businesses, biggest mistakes that I've made, don't go into legal business, illegal businesses. It's just not worth the money. Better to build long-term. Next, lemonade stand, pool chairs, chocolate bars. My school, when I was in elementary school, they'd give us chocolate bars to sell. And I remember that I would buy the bag of chocolate bars and I would, my father, instead of, you have every bag that you bought, you had to sell, right? You took a bag, you had to commit to it, you had to sell it. My biggest problem was I relied on my father at the end of the chocolate bar sale to just give me the hundred bucks or whatever it was for the bag and I was lazy and I didn't go out and sell. So my biggest mistake there was not, was relying on, was relying on, the, on the comforts that I had. Comforts are a good thing, but comforts also make you lazy. I see so many of my friends, their parents are rich, their parents have money, their parents have a business, and they are the laziest people on planet Earth and they just rely on mom and dad or whoever it is that has the money. They have a PhD, Papa has dough. Don't get comfortable, don't rely on your parents, don't rely on anybody else except for your own efforts. That was my biggest mistake there. So now we're moving up um, and rely on, what's that? Rely on God, yes, thank you, yes, of course, thank you. Um, all right, chocolate bars. Next, as I'm getting older, fake IDs is off there. Then I started to sell weed um, when I was like 17 years old. I wasn't a bad guy. Again, I didn't, have, I didn't have God's principles that you should not sell drugs or do drugs. I know that you know, Prime Minister Trudeau made it legal and he should be ashamed of himself because weed is a very big problem that people do not really take into account. It's a very slow spiral downward and I wasn't trying to be a bad guy. Just all my friends smoke weed. I knew someone who sold weed and I was a businessman. And I just said, okay, I have a supplier. I have customers. Let's make a marriage. Problem was when I was 17 years old or 18 years old, I had bought a pound of weed and which was like $3,000. And somebody found out 
And as I was opening my trunk to put it into my trunk, I turn around and I get smashed in the back of the head by a gun. And as I turn around, they smashed down my front, my front tooth. They stole my keys and my watch and left me on the floor to die. Because again, it's a shady business. It's illegal. It's not clean. You ruin your reputation. It's sh fast cash, but short term, short term. Not a good business. You guys should all stay away from legal, illegal businesses. It is not worth it. Don't sell weed. Bar mitzvah DJ. Again, similar problem. I was in the, I, 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 I saw that, you know, I was a cool guy. I knew all these people doing bar mitzvahs. I was like 14 years old. I said to myself, well, let me start a bar mitzvah DJ company. I could charge a couple thousand bucks per, 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 per project, per, per event. I bought all the equipment or found the equipment. I didn't buy anything. I found, I pieced together a piece of equipment. I spent so much time on the marketing of the company and, and the concept, I never went out to sell. So my biggest mistake in that business was not focusing on the sales and more focusing on the concept and the, and the company itself and trying to make a, uh, an idea work when I didn't even go out into the market. I was too scared to go out into the market. So I'm gonna cut that one out. Don't focus too much on the equipment, on the concept, focus on the sales. Minimum, vial pro minimum viable product and then go into the market and see if the market is receptive to your product. Next business, by the way, everybody hears about the I'm getting to where I'm a little bit older and I actually start coming up with like real businesses where I'm like 21 to 26 in, this, in, in the next few examples. But everyone knows Beryl Solomon as the business guru, business genius. Everyone knows, wow, Wealthy Commercials is so successful. You didn't hear about the 10 businesses that failed before Wealthy Commercials. You only hear about the good thing. I failed many, many, many times before I clicked on something that works. Next business that I thought of, soup kitchen business. Again, great concept, poor execution. I wanted to open up soup kitchens all around the country. I wanted to open up a thousand of them, buy old produce from. Guys, please on Facebook and Instagram, start answering your questions because I'm gonna, I'm gonna get to them at the end. I promise you I will get to every single question. Grace, if somebody has a question in the meantime, please let me know. Um, I thought I had a great business and I did. Again, no execution. All concept, all ideas, zero execution. Ideas are great. Sorry, ideas are worth nothing if you have no execution. Execution is everything. I've known people who are really not smart, but really good at execution, and those guys are the wealthiest people that I know. It says that uh, King David says that God gives you blessing on what you do, not on what you think about. It's what you do. That's where the blessing is. All right. Next business is when I was 26 years old and I was thinking about things that I could do outside of, outside of my family business. I, went, I wanted to start um, a closeout business. So start buying, um, you know, when Walmart or whoever it is, when they have stock that they can't move, you could buy it for pennies on the dollar. And I wanted to get into that business and then you go and sell it to dollar stores and whoever. I got into that business. The problem was I was so low key about it that nobody knew who I was. I was trying to do little deal and little deal and little deal because I didn't want anybody to find out in case I failed. So I was doing it very, very small, very quietly. And the problem was because it was small and quiet, nobody knew who I was, nobody found out about it. And the amount of deals that were coming into my pipeline was not enough to start a business on. It was only, I had, I, after the three deals that I was working on fell through, I had nothing left because no one knew who I was and I wasn't making a big enough impact on that industry. My, 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 it was called wealthy closeouts actually. 
The problem in that business was I didn't go big enough, I didn't go fast enough, I didn't go loud enough. I went too small. And the problem is like a fire with a very, very weak flame. When you have a weak flame, a very small amount of air, a very small gust of wind blows that flame out. If you have a raging inferno, no matter how hard, when you blow wind on it, it actually gets stronger. I went too small, too quiet, I got blown out. Next business that failed was the sunglasses business. I went into a, a, a business where I was selling designer sunglasses. My biggest problem in that industry was it was oversaturated. The market was so dense. So many people selling on Amazon, so many people selling on eBay, and I was fighting with everybody on literally dollars. So I would try to make a few dollars on a pair of sunglasses. There was too many people fighting me. I had not enough knowledge. I had to have, and, and my biggest problem in that business amongst anything was I didn't calculate my numbers. So I bought $50,000 worth of stock of sunglasses, but I didn't calculate how much money I was going to be, I needed to, how, how much my sales had to be in order for me to sustain the business. Let me give you an example. Walmart has, any Walmart store on average has two to five million dollars worth of inventory in each store. So if they're, out of that two to five million dollars, if their sales per day, it's not, they're not selling two million dollars worth of goods a day. They're selling, let's say an ar arbitrary number, a hundred thousand dollars worth of goods a day. So they know if they're selling $100,000 of goods a day, then they're able to, it's cool with everybody around here actually, I like this, finally somebody's listening to me. <laughs> um, if they're selling $100,000 worth of goods a day, they know if they subtract their rent, their employees, their electricity, their cost of goods, their carrying costs, their interest, their insurance, all those things out of that $100,000 worth of sales, they know that they have 10, 15, $20,000 a day left profit in order to keep the, 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 the store going, to keep the company going. My problem was I bought $50,000 worth of stock of inventory and I was not able to Questions, by the way, Instagram, Facebook, we're gonna to get to them. I'm on the last point here. I only have five more minutes left of this episode, but I promise you I will get to every single question before I do. I had $50,000 worth of inventory and my sales were about $1,000 a week. So on that $1,000 a week, let's say I had $300 of profit on that $1,000, I was losing money every single week. If I had a million dollars worth of glasses, then my sales per week would have been $10,000 and I would have been able to sustain myself on that. But because I went, again, going small and my inventory was so small, I didn't calculate, I didn't do the calculations. You cannot go into business with your eyes closed and hope that things work. You have to do calculations. You ever hear the expression, numbers do not lie. You have to calculate, a lot of people calculate, they don't calculate profits, but they calculate, what is my cost? How do I break even? If you're always trying to break even, you're gonna be broke. And in those businesses, not only did I not try to calculate how to break even, I was just hoping for the best. You gotta plan these things and make sure that how, many how much inventory do I have to have to get the amount of sales that I need to sustain and support this business going long term. That was my big problem there. The other problem was with that, with that company was that I started it at the same time as I started Wealthy Commercials and I was too focused, I, I, I lost focus on wealthy commercials and I lost focus on the sunglasses business. I wasn't here and I wasn't there. There were two completely separate businesses that required two completely separate skill sets that required two completely different sets of talents. Now, 
I understand that in your business, you should have multiple flows of income, but it should be related to your core business. So for example, when we started Wealthy Commercials, Elise, can you give me one of those? One, can you pass me one of our books? When I started Wealthy Commercials, I started off with like two minute corporate videos. That's all I did. I went from company to company and started selling two minute corporate videos. Now, we have all kinds of other forms of, of revenue. We do LinkedIn marketing for the videos. We do Facebook marketing for the videos. These are all new revenue streams. We just started doing these, which are really, really fun. They're, um, they're called video brochures. We do these for the nursing, industry, nursing home industry. So we put the videos inside of these, and now we're able to make money on the books as well. We're able to make money by going to many, many nursing homes and selling this concept and constantly upgrading. It's not my core business. It's not the two minute corporate videos, but it's a cousin of what I'm doing and it's adding revenue and I don't have to take my, my eye off the ball of my original business. So when you, when you open it up, you could see here, I don't know if you guys could see, but the video starts playing like that. It's super fun, super cool, super revolutionary. For you guys on Facebook and Instagram, we're the leaders in this industry right now. We are killing it. And it just took a little bit of thinking outside the box in order to, oh, thank you, in order to get the thing going. All right, questions? Questions Facebook, questions Facebook, Instagram. All right, last thing that I wanna go over with you, I wanna go over my main business mistakes and the main business mistakes that I see people making. Ellie, how much time do we have? Two minutes? Okay, cool, great. Just to summarize. Main business mistakes that people make. One is not calculating your profits. You gotta know how much product you have to sell in order to make a profit. We're not here, ladies and gentlemen, to break even. We're here to make profits. Profits are after you have paid yourself, after you've paid all of your staff, after you've paid your rent, your car, da da da, insurance, everything you can imagine, what is left over. Then in another show, we'll talk about what do you do with your profits because having it sit in the bank is not the answer. We'll talk about that another time. Two, going small. It is more dangerous, ladies and gentlemen, to go small than it is to go big. I've used, I've used this analogy a million times. You have a rock, you throw it at a cat, it dies, it's small. The same rock, throw it at an elephant, nothing's gonna happen because it's big, it could withstand the test of time, it could withstand the blow. You have to make sure that you go big, don't go small, don't be a wimp. Next, choosing a saturated market. That's a big mistake, spoke about in the sunglasses business. If everybody's selling the same product, you get what's called commoditized, meaning what you are selling is what everybody else is selling, and the only reason why you're getting clients is because you're breaking your price, breaking your price. You guys saw that video brochure that I just showed you. That is a non-commoditized business. Corporate videos, I'll tell you right now, is a commoditized business, but with a little bit of ingenuity, you could create a product that you could demand and command more from the market for and break yourself from competing with everybody else. Taking too long to get to market is number four. Too many people tinker and, and, and think about their idea. I know guys who have been working on ideas for three years. If you're working on an idea for three years, you suck, okay? It's not gonna work, it's over. Just go home, go work for somebody else. If you're working on an idea for three years, it's gonna take another three years to get off the ground. Go to market ASAP with what's called an MVP, a minimum viable product. 
whatever the minimum that you could do is, bring that to market and have the market tell you if that is something that they like or something that they don't like. Don't wait until it's perfect to go to market with because you're gonna be sadly disappointed after three years that you're gonna to have to sell your house. Um, flying under the radar, don't go small, go big. Tell everybody what you're doing. If you don't tell the world what you're doing, how are, they, how are they supposed to know? I told somebody very, very close to me, this nursing home business that I'm doing with the, with the, with the, um, with the video brochures, he said, oh, you shouldn't tell anybody then. Don't tell anybody. How are people supposed to find out about me? Don't fly under the radar. Fly it well above the radar and own your market. Which brings me to my last point, which is compete do, sorry, competing and not dominating. You wanna dominate your market. We don't compete in this business. We don't compete in wealthy commercials. We dominate our markets. You ever see a dog go to a fire hydrant and he goes to the bathroom on the fire hydrant? Why? Because he wants every dog in the, he wants every dog in town to know that's his fire hydrant, don't touch it. When I go to clients, I put my arm around them and I take a picture with them and I let the whole world know who my clients are. Why? Because I want everyone to know that's my fire hydrant, don't even think about it. Com dominate your markets, don't compete. We have questions before we end? Yeah, we've got some questions. Yeah, so what do we got? How much time do you have, Elise? We're a little late, but it's okay. That's guys, guys, why do you wait? Could you tell the call that we're gonna be five minutes late? Yeah. Okay, cool. Alex wants to know how you decided video production was the business to be in. Who wants to know? Alex. Alex who? Ever. Alex, first of all, I love you. Thank you for your comment. Um, lowest barrier to entry? It's a very, very good question. Alex, thank you for asking it. Let me just fix this up over here. So it had a low barrier to entry, so the dollars were high. I was able to charge between 10, 20, $30,000 for a production. So the dollar amounts were high, right? It wasn't a lemonade stand. And the barrier to entry, so I'm just gonna put this as a barrier, was low. Meaning I was able to hire, I was able to hire people who were freelancers. I didn't have to have my own equipment. They had their own equipment. Barrier to entry was low. Profit margins were high. Great question, Alex. What else you got? Call me Gordo95 wants to know, when did you decide a business is dead and to move on to the next one? You decide a business is dead when you're broke month after month after month after month after month and you stop believing in it and everybody around you stops believing it. When you're, when you're broke, get out of there. Now, let me, let me give you a caveat is, speak to somebody that you admire, tell him your situation. Maybe you're in a great business, but you're doing something wrong. So, you know, you, know, you have to cut your glasses when you see that everybody around you, you know, your, your mentors specifically, don't listen to everybody, by the way. Don't listen to your mother, don't listen to your father, don't listen to your sister, don't listen to your teacher, for sure. Listen to a mentor that is, has done what you want to do. Tell him your problem. If he suggests getting out of that business, get out. Go for it. He's smarter than you or she's smarter than you. Get out. What else you got? Um, Sizzle Popcorn wants to know what do you prefer, services or products? Single popcorn. Um, Sizzle popcorn. Sizzle popcorn. Uh, very good question. In general, I really don't care as long as the profit margins are high. If you're selling, you know, if you're selling services, if you're selling whatever services out there and you're making a ton of money doing it, go for it. Products are a little bit difficult to get into. The barrier of entry is a little bit higher for products because you have to have the capital to invest in the product, you have to carry the product, unless you're just brokering, which is also a good way of doing it. But I've been in the commodity business, it's fun, it's fun. You pick up a phone call, you pick up another one to organize the shipping, and you make 40 grand like that, which is really nice. Service business, it's very intensive. Um, 
So I think they're both great. Just look at the profit margin. We've got two more that are similar. Avra Maderi and Panos Palmos want yeah. to know kind of how do you practice sales with the team or what kind of sales training are you using for your staff? Sure. So Panos Palmos, what's going on? Avraham, good men. Um, we use Grant Cardone here. He's our guy. He's our man. Most brilliant guy that I ever met in sales. God gave this man a blessing to be able to communicate sales success. The guy's brilliant in every single way. If you are not using Grant Cardone, you are losing money every single day. Read my first book that if you've never read any of his books, I suggest reading Sell or Be Sold will change your life. And we practice a lot of times on, on each other. Um, we'll ask each other, we'll, 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 we'll pretend, I'll pretend like I'm the client and I'll grill my salespeople to pretend as if they are asking me questions and I answer all those objections. So we practice before every single call and we train like heavy, crazy people on Grant Cardone's training. Just read his books, read people, you gotta read. If you don't read, you're stuck with what's in here and you were born with nothing. If you don't put anything in, you're gonna stay with nothing. What else you got? That's it for today. God bless, let's make North America great again. Thank you for tuning in guys, I really, really appreciate it. Man.